from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Small, editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. And our guest today is Saul Clahane. And Saul is the vice president and general manager of the Canopy Growth Corporation in the U.S. Canopy Growth is an international, publicly traded cannabis company. And their offerings in the U.S. include CBD products, including the Martha Stewart line. So in this interview, Saul talks about what Canopy does, why they're focused primarily on the CBD market in the U.S., how their relationship with Martha Stewart came to be, the biggest challenges CBD companies like Canopy faces. We talk about why you shouldn't be scared of MSO operators like Canopy Growth. And lastly, the best advice that she's ever gotten as a business person. You will want to hear that. I found that really fascinating. So there is a lot to learn here. And without further delay, I bring you Saul Clahane. Saul Clahane, welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to hearing all about what Canopy Growth is doing and kind of plans for the future. First, I think it'd be really informative for our audience to sort of understand who you are and what you do at Canopy Growth. Oh, absolutely. As you mentioned, Saul Clahane, I run our CBD business for the U.S., our U.S. region. We have a whole host of products that we've introduced over the last 18 months as we've entered the market. And uh, I lead the the commercial team that sells and distributes all of those products across the U.S. Well, tell us about some of those products. What are, what are they? We know, I know one, the Martha Stewart line, but let's start with that one and then tell us about the other things. Oh, absolutely. So Martha is our, our crown jewel, right? She has been intimately involved with the creation of uh, products that we offer to market. And we have an, a number of products under her uh, brand. Probably the most popular is our our gummy line of products. They're fabulous and delicious, and they're all inspired by flavors that she uh, gets from her garden. In that, in that lineup, we also have a number of other edibles, which include oils and capsules. But we also offer a line of products under the Martha name that we just introduced, which are topicals. And uh, those are really exciting because we've got three different formats that offer relief and or support for consumers. And then we have, believe it or not, Martha loves her pets a lot. And we have a line of pet products that are also available under her name. And those have been a huge help, I got to tell you, just even for my own dogs. They're fantastic. But that's basically our our Martha lineup of products. We also have a beverage called Quattro. It's a sparkling water and we have four delicious flavors there that offer uh, great relief and calm for somebody who wants to unwind for the day. And then one of the most, I'd say, innovative products that we have under our canopy umbrella is Whistle, and that's our vape product. And this one is truly revolutionary because we've really taken uh, vape to a new level in creating very specific formulations. We didn't just put CBD. We actually took CBD with a combination of a number of terpenes to create products that address certain need states. So focus, or if you want to unwind, it's just a a great new product innovation that that we believe is going to be changing that category quite a bit. We're really excited about its, its initial response from consumers. And there's no THC in any of these 
products or maybe minimal amounts. Yeah, yeah, very minimal amounts, but no no THC in any of these products. We For our edibles, um, we are isolate, which is really just CBD. In our topicals, we use broad spectrum. And then we have a combination of terpenes and minor cannabinoids in our, in our vape products. Let's step back and help me understand what canopy growth is, because that that is what you just described is what happens in the U.S. market and what you guys do in the U.S. market. And you are in charge of the U.S. market. But Canopy Growth is an international company. We are traded on the NASDAQ. Yep. So explain to me, like, in general, what is Canopy Growth beyond the U.S.? And Well, as you mentioned, we are international. We are a world-leading, uh, diversified can, uh, cannabis company. We do have a few products that are non-cannabis. I'm happy to talk about those, but our largest market is obviously uh, Canada where THC is legal. And uh, we have a full array of THC products in that market. We also have a market presence in Europe. And then we've got a team that's working on expanding us in emerging markets. And so we'll continue to build out based on where permissibility is, but also leveraging our non-cannabis products like BioSteel, and this works to continue to build out a a, uh, consumer products company that meets the needs of consumers in whatever need states they're looking for. But we, we leverage our insights a great deal in each of these markets to really develop products that that meet consumers' needs. Now, like so many people in cannabis, you didn't start in cannabis. I mean, nobody really starts in cannabis unless they were maybe in the gray area or the, the illegal market early on. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with Canopy and why you crossed over to the other side. That's a great question because it's not, if you had asked me, you know, 10 years ago, would I have ever considered it? And I w- would have said, no, it's not on my radar. I began my career in soft drink. I'm probably one of the few that have actually worked for both Coke and Pepsi, but coming out of college, I worked for Pepsi and then I was recruited to work for Coke. That was a great business to be in and and sort of cut my teeth, did a number of roles in in each of those companies. I then migrated over to beverage alcohol and I, I worked for Brown Foreman for a period of time and I had a whole new appreciation for the beverage alcohol industry because going from an unregulated product to a a regulated industry was quite eye-opening. I had a whole new appreciation for regulatory product. And then I spent a little time over at Pinot Ricard. And and at one point, I had um, a recruiter call me and say, would you ever consider the cannabis industry? And I said, not really. And she said, no, you really need to go and look at Canopy. This is a very different proposition. And I think if, after you go look at the company, tell me what your thoughts are. And I did. I did my, my due diligence. And what really, really appealed to me about Canopy was its origin and how it's really always been anchored on health and, and wellness and permissibility and responsibility. And so in looking at that proposition and then looking at consumers today and their receptiveness to it, I said, wow, talk about a spectrum, right? Like cannabis has so much to offer on the spectrum of consumer need states. And to be on the front end of an industry was super, super appealing. And then I think what really gave me even more confidence was our connection to Constellation, right? This is a this is very much a startup organization that's supported by one of the beverage alcohol industry leaders and their investment in this space really gave me a level of confidence that this is where the consumer is going, where the interest is. And I said, man, I would love to be on the, the front end of that. And so after doing all my due diligence, that's really what led me to Canopy in this industry. Right. I'm very curious to 
understand sort of the similarities and differences you see in coming from the beverages and the spirits world to can, do you see a similarity? Is, are there, are there similarities and are there differences? I mean, and then sort of like what, based on what you've learned in the past, have you brought to your experience now that you're working with Canopy Growth? There are definitely some similarities and differences. And I would tell you that the last two years that I've been with the company, the thing that is so consistent is one is regulatory. States are approving both on the THC and CBD side, how they want to regulate cannabis. And so that's very consistent with beverage alcohol. You'll see states with varying laws. Some are control states and some are wide open and beverage alcohol. And so there's this state's rights sort of, I'd say, similarities in in terms of regulatory approach. That has really helped me sort of navigate the complexities. The difference, though, uh, I would tell you is there's such a broad number of products that can be developed in this cannabis space that really opens up almost sort of a CPG total product approach, right? Like everything from topicals to edibles to pet products has really given us a diversification of, of products and offerings that we, that, you know, that, that consumers can uh, participate in, in the, um, in the industry. But, you know, there's some things that I think are also very consistent and that is consumer insights and category management and those kinds of things that allow us to develop uh, products and programs that make us relevant for our retailers and ultimately the consumer. And so a lot of those things are are very consistent, although I would tell you the data still needs a little bit more maturity from a syndicated perspective. There's not as much rich quality data on the on the cannabis side, but it is definitely improving. So that's very encouraging. What is the biggest challenge that you face running a CBD company or a cannabis company, but primarily CBD at this point offerings in the US? Like what are your sort of greatest challenges that you face in this industry? Yeah, if I could- Top three. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot. (laughs) If I could start- Start with probably the biggest one, and that is we desperately need regulatory guidance from the FDA in this space. Without it, consumers are being hurt. There are too many bad actors in this space that are making claims that aren't substantiated or proven. And without that guidance, the consumer is being hurt. And ultimately, retailers that want to enter this space are very, very reluctant to do so. And so it makes it very, very difficult with the lack of inaction or lack of guidance around this industry that is our number one hurdle. I think once the FDA um, provides real guidance you will see sort of a, a, an unlock, uh, particularly with retailers that really, really want to get in this space. And so that, in my opinion, is, is our number one hurdle. Outside of that, I would say there's so much potential with this plant and the products. And there's a lot of confusion from the consumer and really making sure that, that the consumer is armed with education on what to use to meet their needs and how to use it and dosage. Those are things that I think in time, as we educate the consumer, you'll see a great deal more of interest because we know for a fact, consumers are telling us through insights and and surveys and so forth, they are looking for more natural alternatives. And cannabis really provides that as an option for consumers for a number of need states. 
the way you guys come up with your different product offerings, I'm very curious about that because obviously you put a lot of thought into it, you know, just like throw something into the market without actually understanding, you know, how it's going to do. And I am curious about the origin story of the Martha Stewart brand, because how does, you know, how does something like that come about? Does she approach you? Do you approach her? Is it sort of like, can you tell me a little bit about how that all happened? (laughs) It's a great story, actually. Martha talks about it on occasion. Her friendship with Snoop is genuine. It is not a, it's not a front. And she was brought to cannabis through Snoop. Now we have a business with Snoop in, in Canada above the border. And he's worked with us. And when he brought Martha Stewart, Martha did the same thing. What is this? And is this something that I would want to bring to my, you know, my follower base? And uh, when she learned about CBD, she uh, became a user and was very, very much in support of not only the industry, but the benefits that it would bring to consumers. And so we worked with her over a year period of time developing products. And when I tell you (laughs) that she is intimately involved, she's not a celebrity that just puts her name on it. She tests everything. She gives guidance on what she wants. I just remember meeting her for the first time and we were going through all the gummies and she was tasting them all, taking little slivers. She's a master taster. She was telling us to dial up this on on this flavor and change the sugar coating on the, on the gummy for this. I mean, she is definitely involved in in the creation and production of the products that we bring to market. Yeah, and I mean that doesn't surprise me totally just because I mean her name is so much identified with her products and you know it's all I mean it started off in Martha's backyard, you know, in these incredible parties that she threw and cetera and 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 has now blossomed into this huge empire. Is she involved in the sort of day-to-day marketing, like the sort of day-to-day business of of her brand? How involved is that? Is she in that? And what's it like working with her? Don't worry, she won't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I work with her on the commercial side of things. And so she has been a phenomenal resource for us as we've pitched major customers. She was instrumental in us landing with Vitamin Shop, as an example. She will meet with customers and engage and answer questions and and talk about the benefits and and the science behind it. Um, She's a believer. She is phenomenal to work with. In terms of every day, I'm not calling her every day, certainly, to, to tell her what's going on, but we are very much engaged with her as we make progress. And, and what she's, she covers a lot of bases. It's not just about product development and her ideas around marketing and, and product positioning. I mentioned she's willing to engage with retailers on, on that front, but she's also an advocate on the, on the regulatory side. She was instrumental in us getting AB45 in California through the legislature there that would allow uh, ingestibles to be sold in that market. And uh, she continues to advocate as we look at opportunities with the FDA and, and other regulatory bodies. So she is definitely in, involved and a huge supporter. And, and she is there's a reason why she's such an, a successful uh, businesswoman. And uh, I've learned a lot from her just working with her, but she's filled with energy and she's, I love working with her. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned. I always love hearing, you know, what, what you've picked up from somebody as successful as her. Like what is something that you've noticed? Product quality and trust is paramount. That is first and foremost. And then she's from a consumer following. She's always been an educator. And I think that's one of the reasons why she works so well for this product because it requires a lot of consumer education and she relies on that 
a great deal. And I would tell you some of the things I've learned from her is just the tenacity at which she approaches the business. There's no stone unturned, right? She She's very much a driver of the business. And I've learned a great deal about how she thinks about marketing and how she thinks about product positioning and how she thinks about education and really engaging her followers is a huge advantage she has. And, and she's been able to elevate the category because her brand is so trusted and she's known for quality and she's known for accessibility, right? How do you get people to learn and benefit and be self-sufficient? And I think that has been a, a tremendous asset for us in terms of working with her. I'm curious also about Whistle, this brand, because it might seem counterintuitive that you would release a vape product just given sort of like the bad press that vapes got in the, certainly in the cannabis industry, vape gate in 2019 and all this stuff. And so, you know, obviously it was with a company like Canopy, again, it's not just a decision you go into lightly and you're like, Hey, let's try a vape product, you know, a CBD vape product. Like what was behind the thinking of releasing specifically a vape CBD product into the market? Vape CBD has, has been in the market. And our approach was to not just add another CBD product, there are consumers that are looking for CBD as an alternative potentially for reducing nicotine or to, to find other ways of relaxing. And our approach to, to developing this product was to truly understand what are consumers, vape product consumers, looking for. And that's a lot of that went into the development of the product. Again, we just didn't want to throw CBD on the market. We really wanted to be a lot more scientific in our approach. And it took a long time. You know, we could have introduced a CBD product a year and a half, two years ago, and we didn't because we really wanted to make sure we had something that was compelling and that really elevated this as, a, as another opportunity. And so by creating specific combinations of uh, terpenes and cannabinoids, we really landed on three need states that we knew consumers were looking for in terms of vape products. Tune in, fade out, and intermission. And so tune in is really about focusing. Fade out is really around unwinding before bed. And intermission is about sort of taking down the stress levels a bit, just sort of unwinding. I feel like I need every one of those. Is that maybe that says something about me? No, that that's that's really interesting. And Whistle was created in-house, right? That was not an acquisition. That was, or or, or was it an acquisition? It was all completed in-house. So even the, the hardware, the Whistle you know, battery unit and the pods are all created in-house. So part of your business models, you, you know, mergers and acquisitions. And there was a, a recently a big acquisition of Wana Brands out of Colorado, uh, which is a, a very popular edibles brand. Full disclosure, I am the host of their <laughs> very, very good podcast, Enhance Your Life. But I'm curious going forward how the strategy of developing internally products as opposed to acquiring products that are already in the market. Well, I tell you, I mean, that's a great question for for David Klein. You know, we've we've made acquisitions over a period of time, but as the person who sits over our US business and looking at the benefits of, you know, an acquisition like Wana, obviously in the US, we would limit that just to the CBD product. 
and in meeting Nancy and just her approach. Nancy Whiteman is the CEO and founder of Wana Brands. Yes, and she's fantastic to work with. And we are really, really excited to bring her CBD lineup to market here in the U.S. But obviously, we wouldn't be able to act on the THC products, obviously, until permissibility. Here's a kind of a, a delicate question, but only one because I feel like our listeners might ask this question. And that is sort of like the rise of MSOs in the sort of cannabis space, which is a net and multi-state operators, which is a natural evolution of any business. A lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or single entrepreneurs. And I think they worry, how do I compete against like a canopy growth in the marketplace? Right. How do you work? What do you say to somebody like that? Because I mean, I think there's probably room for everybody, but have you ever kind of come across people who are like, I, how can I compete against an enormous company like canopy growth? You know, I'm just a guy out of my living room doing a a gal doing a, a, a CBD product. What do you say to somebody like that? I think you make a great point. There is room for a lot of, of folks to participate in this space. And I can tell you, as we look at social justice, it is important that we right the wrongs and support entrepreneurs and people that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And as we think about MSOs, and it'll depend on how the the government really regulates this, but we want to make sure that we're supportive of, of entrepreneurs that want to be in this space because we believe that our products and consumers in this industry should represent the consumers that are engaged in this category. And so we work with a number of organizations to ensure that people have access and funding. As a company, we support organizations like NEW, which is National Expungement Works. And they work on a number of initiatives that provide access, not only uh, an expungement, not only for consumers that have been impacted by the war of drugs, but also looking at supporting people who want to engage in, in this industry. And so we're really, really excited to work with an organization like that. Talk to me about, you know, here you are, you're a woman in a very high power position within the cannabis industry, but I'm sure when you go to events and other industry gatherings, you don't see a lot of people that look like you in the room. It is no secret that cannabis, like most industries in this country, is dominated by white men. What are you doing and how, what encouragement can you give to people who look like you uh, who want to get into the industry? Uh, that's a great question because I think in most of the industries I've worked for, it's pretty consistent. You know, there's, there's lack of representation of women in general in, I think, a lot of big companies and industries. I'm really proud, though, of the work that Canopy has done in this space. There are a number of executives in our company that are women, and we continue to ensure that we don't lose any ground in that space. One thing that, that we've done is um, Hillary Black, who's our chief advocacy officer, has been a great advocate, not only externally with organizations like NEW that we just talked about, but internally. And how are we supporting not only our employee base and providing opportunities for women and people of color? We've gone through a number of training. We ensure that, and I can tell you just at, at least in the U.S., when we have an opening, we ensure that there's a diverse candidacy pool and that the hiring manager is also supported by other peers to ensure that biases don't come into the interview process. And so I think there's some really, really good things that we've put into practice to ensure that, that we're as, as open and unbiased in, in filling roles. 
And there's a great sense of support in Canopy, particularly around leadership positions and ensuring that we have uh, good representation. And so I couldn't be more pleased to be on a number of Zoom calls and conferences when I see a lot of women in, in executive roles. And, and one that was just announced more recently was uh, Judy Hong, our chief financial officer. It's, it's thrilling to see her now assume that role. In closing here, I would love you to hear sort of either the best advice you ever got as a businesswoman or advice that you often give younger people who are coming up in the business about business. It doesn't even necessarily have to be about the cannabis business. It can be something that keeps you sort of motivated and and has helped you in, in your career. I am so grateful for a mentor that I had very, very early in, in my career. And I was given some advice that I share over and over and over again. And the first was, he said to me, if you ever want to be in a leadership position, do as many jobs as you can, even if they don't feel like they're in your wheelhouse, because the more diverse your background is, the more marketable you are. And take the hard jobs because you want to go in and you want to learn as much as possible. And as a result of that advice, I remember I was a key account manager. I had the best job. I was entertaining clients going to Super Bowls and Olympics. This is at Coke. I just, I had a great cushy job. And my mentor said, you need to go run a plant and you need to go spend some time with union workers and you need to go see what it, it is, what it takes to get product to shelf. And I went from a really great cushy job that I could do with my eyes closed and just take all the benefits of that kind of life, waking up at four in the morning, getting trucks out, working with unions and learning. I never learned so much. That prepared me for such great opportunities later in my my career because I understood a P&L, I understood labor, I understood how complicated it is to get product to shelf. It just made me so much more experienced. And so I tell young people that if you're looking to really expand your career, look for the jobs that are hard, look for jobs that have responsibility for P&L and delivering results and really, really make yourself marketable that, you know, for that next job, because you're competing with folks that potentially haven't invested in the breadth of experience. And so breadth of experience, I think is probably one of the most important things someone can do early in their career. Saul Clahane, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. (laughs) It was such an honor. I I loved meeting you and I'm really honored that you had me today. It's been fun. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, head on over to greenentrepreneur.com for the latest cannabis and CBD news, thoughtful essays, tips, and insider tricks on how to succeed in the cannabis business, all that good stuff. And hey, if you like this podcast, do me a huge solid and go to wherever you may listen to your podcast and please rate and review our podcast. It does wonders for the algorithm, helps others find the podcast. Would so appreciate a review and a rating. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.